0: Hey there, boys and girls. Welcome to another edition of the Business of Sports with Andrew Brandt, special edition. What's going on with Novak Djokovic, now out of the Australian Open. No better person to discuss that than executive editor of Sports Illustrated, CBS 60 Minutes correspondent, my good friend John Wartimes. gonna be with us in a minute. First, a word from our sponsor, DraftKings. You can download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now Use the promo code Ross, R-O-S-S, you get 56 to 1 odds on any NFL team. Bet just $5 to win 280 in free bets if your team wins on so this divisional round coming up in the NFL playoffs. That's promo code Ross for 56 to 1 odds at DraftKings Sportsbook. The official sports betting partner of the NFL must be 21 or older, New Jersey, Indiana, or Pennsylvania only, new customers only, minimum $5 deposit, and $1 wager required. One per customer. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. I have a rant before we get to our guest. Hey, yesterday was super, no, the whole weekend, even tonight, as we record this on Monday, super wildcard weekend. It was kind of a dud. Super wildcard weekend produced three of the six, maybe four, depending on tonight. Super non-competitive games number five seed Patriots blown out and the two seven seed Steelers and Eagles blown out. They were competitive. But listen, that's here to stay. We're never going back, just like we're never going back to 16-game season. We're never going back to six playoff. It's only expansion. It's what the networks wanted. It's what the league wanted. The union agreed to it. That's where we're going. People will watch. And even with those blowouts, people are going to watch The game I'll talk about is obviously the one that got all the attention yesterday, Sunday, being the 49ers-Cowboys. And yes, the decision at the end to run a quarterback sneak with 14 seconds left, being pilloried and panned throughout. Cowboys, it's it's a tough thing for me, and I'm going to admit that here on this podcast. I was part of the team that hired Mike McCarthy 15 years ago in Green Bay. I liked Mike. I knew him before. We gave him the edge over Sean Payton. Back then, why? Hard to know, but basically had some familiarity. Because the first year I was with the Packers, 1999, Ray Rhodes, there one year, our quarterback coach was Mike McCarthy. Mike was handling a room that had Brett Favre, that had Rick Meyer, that had Doug Peterson, and had Matt Hasselbeck on the practice squad. We liked Mike. And when it came down to him or Sean Payton, that familiarity probably put him over the top. And had great success winning the Super Bowl in Green Bay, although a lot of people feel underachieved towards the end of his career in Green Bay. And now here we are. And I got to look at it and say, those Cowboys, wow, they're loaded. The personnel is stacked. They have that defensive line. They have that corner digs. They have dynamic positions throughout offense with Elliott, with Prescott, with Lamb, with Cooper, with uh, Tony Pollard. And it's not working it's not working for some reason it's not where they're not beating a lot of good teams they lose in the playoffs it just seems like it's not when you have extraordinary personnel and you don't win you have to look at coaching and again i'm saying that with some conflicted feelings because i like mike i've known him forever uh mike married a woman from green bay i know the same community that he knows listen this is tough for me but i got to say that is an indictment on what he did yesterday with the Dallas Cowboys. They have superior personnel to the 49ers they lost. Not a good look. All right, let's get to our guest. One of my best friends in the business is John Wertheim. We've been together a long time going back. He was a uh, law student at Penn uh, before I started teaching there, but we got to know each other through that, through my former agent, still agent, Phil DiPicciato of Octagon. uh, Just uh, someone I've admired and been friends with a long time. Joins us on the podcast from Sports Illustrated, where we work together, from the Tennis Channel, where he is holed up in their offices right now, from CBS, 60 Minutes. I watched him last night talking about the Anne Frank House. Great, great journalist. Good guy. How's that? (laughs) Welcome to the program, John Wertheim, my friend. Hello. That's a
1: rather flattering intro. Uh, I I owe you one. But no, nice to... uh... Good to be here, and I would say uh, back at you on on all counts, so uh, happy happy to spend some time. We'll do it in person one of these days.
0: Yeah, we will when the world changes, and speaking of that, (laughs) we're talking about the COVID outbreak in a different setting. I couldn't think of a better person to talk about the Novak Djokovic situation with Australia and the Australian Open. You've been covering it from start to finish. I know a lot of my listeners, they follow it tangentially they're sort of more in tune with football basketball baseball but here we go john if you would sort of take us through the background before we get to what happened just a couple days ago we're here on martin luther king day the australian open starting which is why you're at the tennis channel sort of take us where this has come in the last i guess month or take it from wherever you want to start
1: well No, I mean, I I think that's a really good point because we we say start to finish. And to me, the start start was a long, long time ago. Um, We are dealing with a a guy, Novak Djokovic, who does things his own way. Sometimes that is to his great credit. Sometimes it's to his real detriment. And when COVID first happens, March 2020, which is, you know, pause there for a second. I mean, we're two years into this, but, you know, 22 months ago, COVID happens, and Novak Djokovic has said there's not even a vaccine yet. He's already said he's skeptical of vaccines. He does a video with some knucklehead talking about how good energy is going to clean up water. In May, well-intentioned but still incredibly flawed, he runs an exhibition in the Balkans where nobody is masked. They're singing in nightclubs. They're ball kids without masks, and everyone ends up, including Djokovic, getting covid all of which is to say is there's history here. And I think that's really important that this, this did not just come out of the blue. Um, There, there was a long record here of this guy being anti-science of this guy sort of declining or ignoring conventional PR. He has not surrounded himself with people who uh, seem to have his ear. And so, I mean, I I think the context is important here Um, for the entire fall. he is very coy about whether he's, Going to play Australia because of the vaccine mandate. Uh, when he played the U.S. Open, remember he was going for the Grand Slam, right. and I was told that they were having really they were having a tough time. If he got the Grand Slam, it would be this towering record in tennis—four majors in one year. I mean, this is tennis's version of you know whatever of the DiMaggio hitting streak. I mean, it hasn't been done in a half century, and I was told that they were having a real problem planning for it because in Manhattan at the time you needed to be vaccinated to go into most buildings. So how are they going to take him on this victory tour and go to TV studios and the wall street journal when he couldn't go in the building? So he's been unvaccinated. He's been coy all fall. Um, Australia has this vaccine mandate. You have to be vaccinated to go in. There are a couple of really narrow band exceptions, um, and exemptions. This is for people who, you know, we have a, an unfavorable reaction to a vaccine or people, you know, someone someone had an artificial heart. I mean, we're talking about a really extreme narrow band. By December 10th, players are supposed to have applied. If they have an exemption, they're supposed to use it. There are a few players who are anti-vax and basically, you know, to to their, I I put it in air quotes, but to their credit, they've said, listen, uh, I, I don't believe in vaccines. I'm not vaccinated. I look at the exemptions. I don't meet them. Novak Djokovic did not have that courage in his conviction. Um, It was clear now that he was looking for any sort of loophole. On December 16th, uh, six days after the deadline, curiously, he allegedly contracts COVID. Um, The next day, he's with kids. Two days after that, he's going to a photo shoot unmasked. Um, And it turns out that Tennis Australia, who is a guilty party in this as well, has essentially found some loophole whereby that is a valid exemption. So th- this guy's crossing an ocean, going to a tournament, and his whole basis for his exemption is he had COVID, which is absurd. I mean, think about how many other eligible pe- people there would be. Think about all the stranded Australian nationals who would say, well, shit, if I knew I could get COVID and be exempt, I, I would go around you know licking subway poles. Like, I, I haven't been home in two years because of this. I'd love to get COVID and then have that be the grounds for my exemption. Anyway, Djokovic gets his visa, goes to Australia. If there's now.
0: Sorry to interrupt. Who uh, granted him that exception for well, having COVID? Basically,
1: that is a that is a great question for which there has not been a um, a definitive answer. I mean, clearly, tennis Australia had a vested interest in getting the nine-time champion into the country, um, and. Djokovic says, listen, I was told by Tennis Australia and the Victorian government that this was a valid exemption. Nobody's explained it was six days late. Nobody's explained why, if he had COVID, he wasn't isolating, why he was out doing photo shoots and kids clinics and crossing international borders and then lying on his paperwork. Um, But it does seem to be this sort of state, federal pissing contest in Australia. Um, Again, everyone has their own set of interests here. There's no doubt there's a political element I think if you just take a step back, the, the idea that getting COVID would be grounds and the strict, strict protocols. I mean, Australia's had the strictest lockdowns and protocols of any country. 93% of the population is vaccinated. I mean, the idea that this would be a valid exemption is absolutely absurd. Right. Um, that notwithstanding, Djokovic said, listen, I, I had a visa. I would, They signed off on this. And it was the combination of tennis Australia and the state government and of course they are now pointing fingers at it the The federal government gets wind of this djokovic being djokovic can't help himself he puts out on instagram hey everyone i got an exemption i'm coming which was seen as sort of spiking the football and i don't, I don't know if you remember there, there was a meme uh, when justine lands uh-huh. um, about someone who he sent an offensive tweet and the whole world knew about it by the time their plane landed it, you know she had already been <laughs> Right. Ratioed and and canceled. I mean, it was a little bit of the same thing. I mean, every this outrage is building. Djokovic is flying to Australia. Australia's livid. Other players are livid. It's just a terrible look. And by the time he lands, there is so much public, uh, pu- public will and public outrage. He's detained at the airport. And then we have uh, basically we have this, this sort of this this ten day pissing contest. And it's eventually, sort of, we we have this. Um, you know, we, we have this migration minister who really has the final say. He denies the visa. The standard for appeal is irrational, which is an impossible standard, as you know. Uh, I mean, imagine that standard. Yeah. Irrational. Uh, th- think about what would fall under that. Um, Wait, let's so explain, not, not that. explain that. Not surprisingly. Okay.
0: Explain that. So his side of the appeal has to find irrationality with the government side? Explain like irrational. Yeah.
1: Yeah, I mean, he he sort of at first he had a hearing. He sort of on a technicality, he was he was not dealt with properly. Procedures weren't followed at the airport when he was detained. Right. Again, there is so much mounting bad publicity here. The tournament looks bad. The players are getting upset. I mean, the obvious thing to do is say, you know, I, I misread the room. See you next year. Good luck oh. with the tournament. I'm going home. But he, Djokovic, being Djokovic, and Djokovic having no one giving him sort of, I I would say responsible advice or else him ignoring it he stays in australia for almost two weeks fighting this to the bitter end um so the despite winning this hearing on this technicality ultimately the minister of migration has what is essentially i mean the guy has absolute power and he not surprisingly reverses the the previous tribunal and basically denies the visa djokovic appeals that and that's the appeal where the standard was basically irrationality. Um, saying that someone who is unvaccinated, who's in Australia under bad pretenses, who is also had this message of anti-vaccination. There are all these rallies where these sort of loyalists, many of them, you know, Serbian immigrants, are all appearing without masks. I mean, the, the notion that this would be irrational is absurd, but, of course, nobody's tapping Djokovic on the shoulder and saying, you know, t- time to tap out here and make a graceful exit. So he fights this to the bitter end, um, the, the tournament draw. I mean, here, here's a guy who's won this nine times. He's trying to win his 21st major. I, I liken this to um, – I said, imagine Tiger Tiger Woods on the threshold <laughs> of overtaking Jack Nicklaus, all-time major record. I mean, this is, this is history at play. Right. And imagine Tiger Woods going to the British Open to overtake Jack Nicklaus potentially – and he's booed and jeered and detained at Heathrow and the prime minister's <laughs> calling him, uh, you know, you know, I mean, the, the whole set of circumstances is just crazy. But the the upshot, and I think, sort of spinning this forward, we talk about where did this begin and where did this end? And I would contend that this began years ago yeah. with a, a fairly reckless, you know, I think someone who, who does not comport himself in a way becoming a uh, an international athlete this guy should be celebrated as a legend and can't get out of his own way but there's a, so there's a lot of history well before this fateful trip to Australia and I think where did this end is really interesting he has been effectively deported um as we speak he has probably now landed but um you know a couple of hours ago he was on a plane out of Australia he may not I mean there there's a 3 year ban for lying on your forms which he unequivocally did and being deported like this I mean it's possible he may not even be eligible to go back to Australia for three years. He'd be 37 years old. This is the tournament he's won nine times. So 45% of his majors, 9 out of 20 majors he won in Australia. He may not even be able to go back in the country until he's 37. And now it's unclear when he'll be able to play again. It doesn't look like France is going to let him in. I don't know if he just says the hell with it, I'm getting vaccinated. But right now for for 10 years – Tennis has been obsessed with who's gonna win the most majors and it's better right. Nadal and Djokovic and there's this three-way rivalry. It's been wonderful, it's been it's great theater. No one ever would have predicted that one of the great X factors in this whole derby that's obsessed with sport. one of the great X factors is whether or not Djokovic is allowed into certain countries. So it's just the whole set of circumstances is just bizarre. It's kind of on brand for Djokovic as a guy yeah. who's a brilliant tennis player and can't get out of his own way. It sort of underscores this whole theme of of athletes in the time of COVID. I mean, there's a lot going on here, but the bottom line is the nine-time past champion in the Australian Open is not going for a 10th because uh, of a decision he made himself.
0: Back with this fascinating discussion with John in a minute. First, a word from Cuts Clothing. Guys, you know, work attire has changed. The days of wearing uncomfortable office attire are over. Suits and ties are a thing of the past. I think we're all happy about that. But what about what we're supposed to wear? That's the problem Stephen Borelli set out to solve when he started Cuts. It has Signature Soft Bottom Custom Engineered Pika, which is a blend tee. It's a bold new take on a classic design. GQ magazine has called this the only shirt worth wearing. The Cuts has a minimalist design. It's professional enough for the office, yet comfortable enough for a night out. Cuts combines versatility with style, so you have the perfect look for every occasion. I wear it all the time. I wear it at work, at play, even out for business dinners. Cuts Clothing is work leisure apparel for the sport of business. Get 15% off your first order by going to CutsClothing.com BOS. That's for business of sports. That's CutsClothing.com. Slash BOS for 15% off the only shirt worth wearing, Cuts Clothing. I'm actually, reading the uh, Roger Federer book, but they talk a lot about Djokovic. And as you just pointed out, this whole thing while he's stuck in Melbourne or in the hotel or in the airport and no one's telling him what he needs to hear, they're all kind of sucking up to him. He was not contrite at all. I mean, he was defiant. And then I saw you. You didn't. You left this out. I saw his dad, Sridan, I think his name is, basically saying, "What did we, uh, riot yeah. in the streets of Serbia?" Like, like they're holding him. He has a
1: uh,
0: yeah. Go ahead. In the,
1: in the last ten days, the the, the dad has compared him. To, you know, Jesus was crucified, and now this is Novak. There was a <laughs> comparison to Spartacus. Yes, yesterday was he was assassinated with fifty bullets. Never, never at one point saying, "You know what?" There's a really cheap easy painless socially responsible way to have avoided this whole situation 97 percent of the other players in the draw have chosen this billions and billions of people worldwide have chosen this i I mean look i i don't think vaccine skepticism is all that bad but i think on balance really this is what you're going to uh this is what you're going to tank your reputation and it's yeah i mean the, the parents aren't helping it's really turned into the circus You know, I I don't know where you want to go with this. I can somebody leaked me a clause from one of his endorsement contracts. Yeah, I was going to ask. I would be happy to share with you because I, uh, I mean, I think that's a whole other angle. What happens to
0: all the off-court
1: money, right? Um, Well, for one thing, a lot of these endorsements,
0: winning majors is tied to some of this, and and rankings. I'm sure all of that. Go ahead.
1: Um, Well, I think that's a. I mean, I think that's a really interesting angle to this too. When we talk about it's in tennis in particular Roger Federer could be a billionaire athlete and Naomi Osaka makes 60 million dollars in income well a very small fraction of that is coming from actual prize money right 10 percent maybe right Uh, so Djokovic has I mean literally yeah exactly there's no guaranteed Steph Curry 40 million dollars so so Djokovic has a clause in one of his contracts um if at any time in the opinion of the sponsor, the athletes become the subject of public disrepute contempt, or scandal that affects athletes' image or goodwill, the company may upon written notice to athlete immediately suspend or terminate this agreement. Um, boy, yeah. I don't know. Uh, in An in international incident leading to deportation, I would think you wouldn't <laughs> have too hard a time fitting that into the uh, that language. I mean, this could cost him, apart from all the history and the records and esteem and reputation. I mean, this, this will cost him tens of millions of dollars. If anyone, yeah, I, mean, I think it's, not, I it. mentioned,
0: you mentioned, John, you mentioned Tiger when he had his scandals and a lot of the companies kind of went the other way. Same kind of language, right? It's stuff that I write into, into football contracts I've dealt with it as an agent. And that's, that's the way these companies get out. The question is, will they, right? Because he is a, he is a uh, star when and if he starts playing again.
1: What, uh, I mean, I'm really curious. Can I, can I pepper you with some questions? Yeah, of
0: course, of course.
1: I mean, you, you, know, I mean, you, you have more expertise here than anyone. What, what do you tell him and what do you do with a client who is just absolutely making a mess of things and clearly doesn't hear? I mean, what, what do you do if you're in his team? What do, what do you do if you're his agent? What do you tell him to do with this?
0: Yeah, I mean, a lot of these situations are similar. And what we're seeing, and I was going to ask you this, but we, need, we can talk about it together, whether it's Kyrie Irving, whether it's Aaron Rodgers, whether it's Carson Wentz and now Jokovic and Kirk Cousins, I am sure, 100% sure that their advisors, their agents, their lawyers have requested that they get vaccinated. It just makes everything easier. You're not fighting all the time. You're doing what you need to do to play your sport, all those things. And of course, they haven't. These are the top athletes in the world. I don't know what you do if saying what they need to hear, saying what's best for their business, saying what's best for their brand, saying what's best for their income is ignored. I think a bigger issue to me is what is it? Like, what is this anti-vaccination? And I'm not putting this in the anti-vax with an X group. What is this? this anti getting vaccinated for your sport about. Because I get it, personal autonomy. You know, I'm, I'm an athlete, I, I triathlons, I, I, but I recognize the importance of it. And I don't wanna get political, but I almost think like there's something going on that no one's gonna tell them. They understand they're gonna lose money. These are smart people, Aaron Rodgers, Jokovic, Kyrie Irving, these are smart people. And I know people are going to push back. They're not smart. They are smart. So something's going on where they right. just feel like I'm not invading my body with that thing. And at great risk, at great
1: risk. Um, yeah. I mean, I, I think Djokovic is a little different in a few ways. I mean, one of them yeah. is, I, mean, I have to say, to his credit, for years and years and years, I mean, whether it's gluten, I mean, this is like Tom Brady level. Yeah. Sort of what I put in my body matters. And. I think that um, you know, I mean, his, his diet has completely changed, and he is very particular about his sleep habits. I mean, he's. But I, I also think that what what makes him interesting is some athletes like just don't give a shit, right? And you know, this is what I believe, and screw right. you if you. I mean, even you know, even to some extent, the. I mean, you know, you know, you have more experience here than anyone. Again, but the, you know, the the Aaron Rodgers and the right. and Rand, and I mean, Djokovic. You even saw it in his statement. He has a pathological need for affection and attention so this is not i do what i want to do and screw all of you i mean this is someone who has these two very conflicting so this pathological need for to be liked and then this sort of pathological ability to get in his own way i mean i do think i do think if nothing else this has given us some insight into the athlete um yeah. and the certainty and the certitude and Djokovic I'm sure is thinking listen I'm down match points to Roger Federer and if I listen to conventional wisdom and if I listen to the the wisdom of crowds I would have gone to the net and shaken his hand but I have this self-belief it served me well in the past I also think don't you feel like athletes love this role of of underdog of count. I mean, it's, you know, we always joke about, you know, Floyd Mayweather is a 13 to one favorite to win a fight and he wins and he says, I I shut up the doubters. Nobody could believe (laughs) I did it except for me. No one believes in us. What are you talking about, dude? Yeah, Yeah, exactly. You you bet a dollar seven cents to win a dollar. Like, trust (laughs) me, we believe in you. Um, but it's the same thing here of if, if you say blue, I'm going to say red because putting myself in this role as the seeker, the underdog, the person who's going against conventional wisdom, that's something that's important to my sports career. And this is just another front where I can fight that battle.
0: What's interesting. But about I, it. Don't, I mean,
1: it's a good, I don't know. I don't yeah. Know. What's
0: interesting about Jokovic is, I mean, just reading again in the Federer book by Chris Cleary, of the New York Times. I mean, they talk about, this is a guy that at six years old kind of stood outside some courts in Serbia and just watched and watched. And one day the coach let him in and he had a bag packed. Like a six-year-old packed a bag, not his mom packed the bag. He packed his bag with a drink, a sweater, a towel, an orange, (laughs) like his rackets. And just this meticulous, and you've seen what he's done with his body, as you said, and and his stretching routine every night and his sleep routine. It just seems like, but no Vax. Like, not the thing that's going to allow him to play, and I guess that spins us back. You mentioned this briefly as you talked, but we'll sort of bring it to to the to the landing. What does happen? And you would, and as I said, there's got to be people telling them, "Okay, you, Novak, we're going to face this with the French. We're going to face this with Wimbledon. We're going to face this 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 tournament, this tournament." What is that dialogue like? What what are we looking at in terms of Djokovic on the court? What what time frame are we looking at?
1: Um, I think it's just a question I mean, I, I don't see it happening. I mean, I don't see him capitulating. I mean, this is someone who stayed in Australia for 12 extra days. Um, I, I think the, I mean, the other factor we haven't talked about is Serbia, right? right? And he is the face of this country. He's already been, he's been pegged as a future political leader. This is a country where fewer than half the people are vaccinated. Okay. I, I always say like, you know, you know, I mean, Serena Williams has a lot of fans and Federer has a lot of fans, even whatever, any, Tom Brady and, and Steph Curry have fans. They, they don't sing national anthems, they don't sing these tribal songs. I don't know if you saw some of the protests, everyone was wrapped in the flag and they're singing Serbian folk songs. Oh, so yeah. he has a set of pressures and sort of a set of considerations um, that conventional athletes don't have. But yeah, I mean, the question now basically is, does he wave the white flag and say, I'm doing it grudgingly, but I'm getting vaccinated? Or does he keep Doubling and quadrupling, whatever it is. I mean, they keep doubling down here Um, because, as it stands right now, who knows when we'll see him again? And this is this is someone who's really on the threshold of history. The idea that he would, I mean, again, in some ways, this is totally on brand for the guy. I mean, remember, twenty twenty U.S. Open, Federer doesn't play, Nadal doesn't play, it's an easy chance for Djokovic to add and add to this uh, Grand Slam hall. and he swats a ball and hits a line judge in the neck. So in the last last six majors he's played, he's, he's won three of them. He, he lost in the finals of the fourth. and one of them, he got deported. And then the other one, he got defaulted mid-tournament for hitting a woman in the neck. So, I mean, it's just you, you want to just sh- grab him by the lapels and say, you're pissing away history here because of these the misguided yeah. beliefs. But, I you know, he's a 34-year-old man. He's got a country very much in favor of him. I, I, don't think I don't think he's backing down. The
0: well, last question is the business of sports question. You're out. You're coming to me from the tennis channel. I mean, let's be real. You guys are going to be hurt by this. Every media is going to be hurt by this. The Australian Open is hurt by this, not having the flagship player in the tournament. I mean, I got to admit, John, I thought over the last week because of the business of sports, he'd be allowed to play and I had no reason to think that, no reason. But it's just the way it happens, right? Greater talent, greater tolerance.
1: Yeah, I would, I would push back on that. First off, I think there, there were a lot of economic considerations. One of them was that if the Australian Open is relying on the government for some of their funding, if they're trying to run this event and 80 whatever percent of the national population is opposed to this decision, um yeah that doesn't bode well for the tournament i i also think that i mean this is classic i mean this is sort of the the ufc model right i mean i think all these tennis tournaments which which makes it surprising i mean the idea of tennis tournaments is they want people to show up and fans to show up and people to be interested no matter what wimbledon's an event and if if andrew brant's playing john I'm in the final i'm still gonna watch because it's wimbledon right Right. so in in a way you know yeah exactly Or, or i mean this is the ufc has kind of made their business based on this right that you, you come for the show, and it doesn't matter. It's fighting, right?
0: Right. Again. Um,
1: so I, so I think the idea that um, you know, I mean, I, I think these these events want to be in a position where it's almost agnostic to the field, and and you go to Indian Wells because it's a, a great event and it's a, a week in the sun, and not. I was going to go if player X was in the draw, but because he's not, I'm not going this year. Um, and and the other, I mean, the truth of the matter is whether it's ESPN ratings. I mean, jo- Djokovic is not. Better Nadal, Serena right. level of popularity. And that's that's one thing that everyone's a little mystified. Why would the Australian Open go to these lengths? You know, they've pissed off the public, they've pissed off the federal government that they rely on for funding. Why would they go to these lengths? It's not like, oh, the, the Rolling Stones are playing and Mick Jagger's not on stage tonight. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's, right. it's, it's it's a great event. There are 253 other singles players, and Nadal's there, and Naomi Osaka and Ash Barty. Like, why why would they go to these lengths for one player who's not really driving ratings or attendance anyway it's one of the the great mysteries here
0: john thanks so much i mean you've been great explaining all this and we are left with this we're going to watch the australian open as you said it's a big event no matter who's there but this question of when we'll see yokovic again which is really we've never asked this about a non-injured player right we've never asked unless he's got a serious knee injury or arm injury or is Forty-five years old and retired. I mean, we just don't know right it's, now, right? Uh,
1: on the, on the cusp of history, which I think I, I mean that's the that's part to I mean, that the whole this guy literally, if, if he wins this tournament, he is taken over the lead in the great sports race. I mean, this is literally like Tom Brady on Saturday before the Super Bowl. I mean, it's just. <laughs> It's cra- it's a crazy situation, no matter what. But the fact that he's on the threshold of history—I mean, this guy should have gone to the Australian Open like on the back of an elephant with a hero's welcome—and instead, <laughs> his plane lands and the prime minister is basically saying, "Get this jerk out of our country." I mean, it's just—it's—it's it's an incredible fact pattern. And uh, yeah, I mean, he's he's deported, but we don't know how. There's, there's a lot, a lot more, a uh, lot more chapters to come.
0: Yeah, and as you said, sort of the Serbian hero for doing this. So. What a great, what a great drama for someone that's drama. not going to be playing for a while. John, thanks so much. Always a great pleasure to talk to you, and uh, talk to you soon. As if, as if for any time you need me to come on something, I'm happy to do it as well. Appreciate it.
1: You got it. Always a pleasure.
0: What a great interview with John Wertheim. I mean, we are left scratching our heads about Novak Djokovic, but I think John gave a good inside inside look at what really happened in Australia and what what the Djokovic situation is like from his personal attitude. And it is amazing. And not only is he sitting out and we don't know when he's going to play again, but as john, we wrapped up, he's on the verge of history, and he's just not playing. What a story. And I thought it was great to bring him on. And I needed to talk about that on the podcast. I know I usually talk about football, basketball, baseball, other issues, but this needed to be discussed. I'm glad we did it. Now word. From AutoZone, your car interior is as important as your exterior. Why? Because that's where you spend your time, inside your car. So show your car some love with help from AutoZone. Interior repair is more than just cosmetic. Ranges from installing a set of floor mats, replacing mirrors, even tackling a heating system repair. You know about that, and you need that right now. For example, upgrades like seat covers prevent spills, tears, rips, UV rays from ruining your upholstery, and can even help maintain your resale value. And if your car smells like a locker room, I've been there. Not lately, but I've been there. AutoZone is the cleaning products you need to freshen up. Replacing your cabin air filters is another easy job. It ensures your car is blowing clean air, especially now that the windows are going to be rolled up in the winter. We all spend a lot of time inside our car, so make most of it. Upgrade your ride. If you need that interior upgrade fast, AutoZone has more ways for you to get to it. Like next day free, next day delivery free or free same day store pickup, the choice is yours. Make AutoZone your one-stop car interior shop. They carry the best products from the best brands at the right price. Get in the zone. AutoZone. And that'll do it for this week's edition of the Business of Sports. Be sure to be getting my newsletter at andrew I'm starting the Sports Business League now with a daily dose of information for you. You can sign up through the newsletter. Also, Twitter, Andrew Brandt. Instagram, Andrew Brandt 2. Clubhouse, ADB719. And... But thanks to my producer Brian Neal, my musical producer Sam Brandt. Thanks to you for putting kind comments and any rankings you want to do for Apple are really appreciated. And I'll be back next week with another edition of The Business of Sports with Andrew Brandt.